or vineyard pastors. And my mom has told me tons of times that John Wimber prayed for my mom while she was pregnant for my brother and I. So I literally was birthed straight into the vineyard movement. Um, we, I was in the vineyard for a lot of my childhood, and then at some point we weren't vineyard anymore. We were there planting other churches, but still vineyard mindset. I've always loved the vineyard. Um, and a lot of you probably assume that because I lead worship, that I have always loved worship. FYI, that is not true. <laughs> I have not always been that way. Um, I think when I was probably about 11 or 12, I definitely, for a season, I don't even know why this happened. Maybe I was just a moody preteen. I don't know. But I remember there was a Sunday, and we were worshiping at church. I think my older sister was there, which I don't know if that's accurate or not. I might have made that up. But I just remember that whoever was standing next to me was like closing their eyes and raising their hands, like worshiping. And I'm sitting there going, I hate this. This is so dumb. What are we even doing? Like, just didn't understand the whole purpose of why we were there or what we were worshiping about, even though I totally knew. Because I grew up in the church. I knew Jesus. I knew what worship was. But I did not like it, to say the least. I just thought it was such a waste of my time. God has brought me one way, obviously. Um, so anyways, that was when I was like a preteen. And then fast forward a couple years, I started going to my own church <laughs> with my friend. We started going to youth group, definitely because of boys, not because of anything else. We just picked it because that's what the boys we liked were. But it turned out to be like the best thing because we got these youth pastors who were from California, and we lived in Alabama. Um, and they came, and they literally changed everything. Um, they introduced our youth group to the band Jesus Culture, which I don't know if you know who that is. Don't. It was the vineyard of my time, like vineyard worship. It was amazing. They're still making music, but their old stuff is better than the new stuff, in my opinion. Um, but what happened was is they took us to a Jesus Culture conference in Atlanta, um, I think there were probably like 40 of us that went, so a pretty large group for a youth group to go. And I just remember like at the time, I liked worship, and I like did worship and loved it, and I understood it more. But going to the conference was more like, oh, this is really cool because they're Jesus culture, we're gonna stand in the front row, and I'm gonna take pictures, and it's gonna be awesome. That's what we did, like we, I was like taking pictures, because like, I knew that they were really awesome worship leaders, but more than anything, it was much more like a fangirl type situation. <laughs> to be frank. Um, I think I was probably 14 or 15. So anyways, we're at this concert, not concert, we're at this conference, and my brain is a concert, and I don't know what night it was, it was like three days or something, and one of the nights we're all worshiping literally at the stage, like there's nowhere to go, sardines up front. And I'm like taking pictures and singing with my eyes open, and all of a sudden, I'm like pouring tears, like crying, 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 and I'm like thinking to myself, I have no idea why I'm crying, like what is happening, and I look around at all my friends, and they're all crying, and like hugging each other, just like crying everywhere, and I'm like, what the heck is happening? Like, this is not a fangirl moment, something is going on. And that night, I think I could say it was probably one of the most life-changing things that happened to me. Like, our youth group after that, like, just kind of blew up, like, our passion for the Lord and just our understanding of the presence of God. It was crazy. Like, our youth group from then, we blew up to, like, 100 kids, and we were very, like, 
focus on pursuing Jesus and not revival in the event sense, but like revival of the heart where we've come alive and we're burning for passion with Jesus. Um, and that, that was amazing. It was definitely a highlight season of my whole life. Um, and for me, like at that point in time, if I was at home, I was probably playing piano or I was laying on the floor worshiping to YouTube. Like I just, that's literally all I thought about all the time. Like I was dancing and doing drama stuff and like very active, but anytime I had free time, like that's where you would probably find me. Like I just fell in love with the presence of God and worship. And I just also had never really experienced like that kind of freedom in my life before in worship. Like to just not just sing songs, but to have a spontaneous moment and for the presence of God to actually come in the midst of worship. So that was awesome. From there, I, like around that season is when I decided that I wanted to do ministry school at Bethel. Um, and so when I was 17, I finally went and did that. I feel like I waited forever to go. Um, and what was happening there, um, every day at school we would come in and have a worship set with like these really amazing teams. And the school for first year was about like 1,200 students. So it's pretty large for the people worshiping. Um, and we were just recently with Jimmy Don. I don't know if you know Jimmy Don, but he's great. They live in Kent, Washington, and he pastors the church up there. We were just talking to him, and he put words to something I've experienced that I've never really had words for. And the mindset in writing, like when I was in school and at church, the mindset that would, people would have when they would come to worship is obviously like we know that God is here. We know that his presence is in us. So we're here and we're worshiping and nothing has to happen. Like we can just worship and that's enough. So nothing has to happen, but anything could happen. The mindset that God, because God is here, God is here, like he doesn't have to do anything. But what if he did? Like what if he came and showed up? And that's really what I, what I want to talk about today is the belief that God is here and there's more of him to experience. So really quick, I'm so afraid. Uh, Jesus, we just thank you for your goodness and your presence. We thank you that we get to continually just learn more about you and who you are, and we get to experience more of your presence. So Jesus, would you just help me to speak the word for Amen. All right, we're going to go to Acts 2 for a couple minutes. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. Um, it is not necessarily the most accurate translation you could read in ESV, but this is a really great translation for just like being able to relate to it. Anyways, context for Acts 2. Acts 1, Jesus goes back up to heaven. Um, he leaves the disciples with some instructions. And Acts 2 starts with the disciples and the church, the first church. They've come together and they are praying for 10 days. They're together praying, and I love the Bible says that they were really unified in the prayer. So that's what's going on. 120 people unified in prayer. This is what it says. Acts 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place. And suddenly they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering that it was all anyone could bear. And all at once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each of them, and they were filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Holy Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. 
Now, I'm not here to talk about fire and tongues. Don't worry. I'm not going to go that crazy. But what I do want to talk about is the Holy Spirit um, in us and being equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Um, so in this verse, when this is happening, like they're all together praying, and the disciples know about the Holy Spirit, that Jesus has promised to them, like the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you'll be filled with power. Um, but they don't expect a pillar of fire and crazy winds to come. They have no context for that. But they're just together worshiping, praying together, and that's what happened. Because the Bible says that he and um, the Lord is enthroned on our praises and his people and we inhabit their praise. So they were just coming together to pursue him. This is what happened. Um, so like I said, like they knew of the Holy Spirit, but they didn't actually know what that was going to look like or when it was going to come. Um, in John 14, 15 through 17, or John chapter 14, I should say, verses 15 through 17, if you want to pop that up there. It says, I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth. He will be to you a friend, just like me, and he'll never leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him, but you will know him intimately. Because he, the Holy Spirit, will make his home in you, and he'll live inside of you. So the Holy Spirit is in us all the time. He doesn't go anywhere. We are his home. He rests in all of us. Um, I feel like once you become a Christian, you get the opportunity to let him do that. So, you might say, if the Holy Spirit is in us, why are we always inviting the Holy Spirit? We'll sing songs or say prayers like, Holy Spirit, we invite you, or Jesus, we invite you. Like, what, why do we do that if he's clearly already there? Um, and that's because there's more. There are greater measures of God's presence and the Holy Spirit's presence that we haven't seen yet. Like, yes, he's in us and he's always with us, but he's not limited to what we've seen so far. But there is more of him we get to see. There's different sides of him. So what is keeping us from not seeing those things? So there's more. How do we see them? Why aren't we seeing them? I think the first thing that really can hold us back from that is just disconnection. I think when we come in on Sundays, it's really easy to be tired because A, our church service is so freaking early in the morning. We're tired, we want coffee, or we're tired and the kids are crazy. And no, I don't have kids, but I'm nanny, and I know getting them out of the house after feeding them and getting them dressed is a lot of work. So we come and we have all this stuff going on, or we had a fight, or our work week was long, and that gets us in here just feeling totally disconnected from the Lord and what he's doing in our hearts, or we feel disconnected from ourselves, or just from people. And when we feel disconnected, it's really easy to isolate ourselves and think like people just don't understand. So we just kind of like sit back and we're here, but we're not fully engaged because we're dealing with all this stuff going on in our minds about just life. Life can be crazy, and that's okay. But that, I think that's something that can hold us back from seeing the more of God. The second thing I want to talk about is what I call the machine. The machine is something Jenny Don talked about that I, it didn't even affect me when he told me about it, but I realized like, oh, it really did affect me because I've been thinking about it a lot. And the machine is the church. It is the get in, get it done, get it out, 52 Sundays a year, this is church, this is what we do. And the machine is full of expectations of what church looks like. We come in and we know church is going to start at a little after nine. We come in and we know that we have like three songs to get here before it's the coffee break and everyone knows if we're not here yet. 
and we know that Glenn is going to speak, and then we're going to do all this stuff. Like, we know what church looks like. Um, and that is great. Like, that's comfortable. It feels good to know what to expect. But expectation a lot of times can look like, you know what? Like, God can show up today. That's great. But God showing up looks like X, Y, and Z. It's going to look like this thing that I know because I've seen it, and that's just what it, that's what it is. And like, but it's like God can still come up, come, but it looks like this. And so we can come and live the machine mindset of this is what church is and this is what it looks like. But we also could come with the mindset of expectancy. And expectancy is like if you actually look up the definition of expectancy, it is hoping that something will happen, especially something pleasant. And expectancy is that mindset that I was talking about it um, when I was in writing, like anything could happen here. It's, God, you don't have to do anything. We're just going to come and worship you. But because we're worshiping you, we know that you want to come and meet with us, and that can look like anything. Expectancy removes the boxes that we put God in. It removes the boxes and machine of what church looks like, and it gives God an opportunity to move in its own way. And we, when we remove the box of what God moving looks like, that's when he actually gets to come and transform us and releases freedom among us. And the third thing is comfortability. Um, I think comfortability really can easily hold us back from experiencing more of God. How many of us know how easy it is to turn on cruise control or autopilot when we're worshiping? Um, it's easy. We do it all the time because we come in and we're tired and we've got this stuff going on and we come and we worship and we're like kind of mentally there but we know like, oh, on this song I can raise my hands on the chorus or this song's kind of slow so it's okay if I sit down because it fits the mood. It's not a big deal. And we're just thinking about all these other things going on in our life and we turn into these worship robots. We don't even really know what we're doing. <laughs> we're just doing the stuff because that's what we do. And it's easy and Again, like you guys might think because I lead worship, that doesn't include me, but heck yes it does. Like, yeah, I come and I worship and I prepare, but like, same thing for me. It is so easy for me to know how I could worship appropriately and get the job done. Like, get in, get it done, and get out. Like, I, that's for everybody. We all experience that at times. Um, and something that radically changed me, I don't know if it was in high school or what. I just remember the moment, I don't know when it was. Um, but somebody asked me one time, how differently would you worship if God was sitting in the room with you? You know, like if the realness of God, the, like all that he is in, in the flesh, if he was in the room, how would you worship? And I would say we probably wouldn't be comfortable being worship robots. We probably wouldn't be comfortable feeling disconnected and feeling comfortable just doing our thing. I think that if God was in the room that we'd have to give him everything. I don't think that our hearts would be able to handle it. I think that when we allow the realness of God to be at the front of our mind and the front of our hearts when we come in to worship, that it, it changes us. I think that we would no longer want to give anything less than our best to him because he's real and he's here. And I know that we can't physically see him and he's not like physically in the room, but he is. He's in, like, if we let our hearts go there, like, the Lord is with us and he's among us. And he wants to be that real to us. He constantly, like, as we come to worship, like, he wants to encounter us. 
He doesn't just want worship robots who come and we serve. Like, yeah, that's beautiful. He loves that we serve. We love that he loves that we worship him. But he wants to meet us there. He doesn't want to just have us come do the same old, same old all the time. He wants to be among us. Um, and John 424, up there, over there. It says that from here on, worshiping the Father won't be a matter of the right place, but of the right heart. For God is a spirit, and he longs to have sincere worshipers who worship and adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. He wants us to have sincere hearts. And FYI, I am not saying that we don't have sincere hearts. Just to be clear. But I am saying, like, I think that just as we go through our weekly, like coming to church, it is easy to lose sight of the realness of God, and the realness of him in the church, that there is more to that. I think for some of us that we've been doing this thing, going, like doing the machine of coming every Sunday for so long, um, that sometimes we forget like why we're even here. How did we get here? How did we, why did we start coming to church? Why did we start feeling passionate about Jesus? Um, and sometimes we forget, like, when we fell in love with him and why. Like, for me, like, it's so easy for me to forget, like, that moment when I was 14 and I felt God for the first time. But that's when I really fell in love with him, and that's when he became real to me. And I think it's time um, for the church in general, not just us, but for the whole church, it's time for us to get back to what God is here. It's time to remember the moment where God became real and when God's presence touched us and it changed everything. Because I think for all of us here, there's a reason we're here. Maybe we're just here because our whoever wants us to come, but I think for a lot of us, that God has made himself real to us at some point. And it is time to remember what that moment felt like, to let him be that real to us, just to encounter him and his goodness. And also, I just want to tell you, we weren't created to live the machine. The machine was not God's intention for us. Like, church is amazing, but God created us for relationship. He wanted us to commune with him. And when he created Adam and Eve, it was because he wanted people to hang out with. God wanted to enjoy his creation with his people. And no, we're not walking in a garden with him. And it looks totally different now, but like his heart, his intention for us is not different. His heart is still the same. He wants to be with us. He wants to connect with us. He wants to show us his face and his love for us. And I really think, um, I really believe that the Lord is so ready and waiting to just pour out his spirit and his presence among us. Like I really, I've been feeling for a long time like God is just really ready to come and to do a new thing among us at this church. Um, but he's not going to force himself on us. Like, that's just not his nature. Like, he can come and he'll do things, but he's inviting us into it. Like, we have the invitation to say yes to the more of God and the more of his presence. We get the opportunity to say yes to laying down our boxes and our worship robots and throw them away and just say yes to removing our expectations and our comfortability just to say yes to his presence and the Holy Spirit to say yes to getting a little uncomfortable for the sake of seeing more of God. Because comfortable is easy, comfortable is good, and that's great. But I think sometimes God is calling us to be uncomfortable. I think that we are used to worshiping in a certain way, or like we'll raise one hand or two hands or whatever, however it is you worship, 
I think that God invites us to actually like raise the standard. Like there's more of him to experience and maybe to experience it, we actually have to do something different. We actually have to stretch ourselves in a way that might feel uncomfortable, but I tell you what, it's not gonna feel uncomfortable for more than 10 seconds. Like if you do it, the initial moment's gonna be like, oh, this sucks. But then God's gonna meet you there and he's gonna comfort you and he's gonna make you feel good and you don't have to worry about it. Nobody cares. Everyone's in the same boat, and we're just trying to love Jesus and worship him. But I just want to encourage us, like myself included, just to start worshiping in a way that might not be comfortable for us, to try something new. Um, And just to remove the box of what God coming looks like. Like, yes, it can look like the things we've experienced, but yes, it can look like stuff we've never seen before. I think that even in the greatest outpourings of the Lord, where God has really come, it's like it's blown up and it's been amazing. I think that he's not limited to those times, that there's still parts of him that the world has yet to see. And I want to be part of seeing it. So that was a lot of stuff. Um, anyways, I just want to invite us. We're going to worship in a second, so if the band wants to come. Um, I just want us together to worship really quick. We're not going to do ministry time quite yet. Um, I just want us as a body to be able to worship one more time together. But I just want to encourage you just to be thinking about this. Like, are there parts of you that have become kind of like a robot in our coming to church? Has it just become a thing that we do? Or do we remember why we're doing it? And are we connected to the love that we have for the Lord and the love that he has for us? And can we say yes to laying down our boxes and expectations and letting God come however he wants to come, whatever that looks like? Because I really believe that there's just more that he's wanting to do among us. And I really hope that this doesn't feel like I'm saying we're not doing any of these things. I just really felt like the Lord just is inviting us to even deeper levels of worship and intimacy and connection with him. So let's stand really quick. I'm going to pray before we get started.